Kick is on the air Sunday night, January 24th, the year of our Lord. What is it? Yeah, 2021. I said 2020 the other night. It's not the first time. It probably won't be the last time. Old habits die very hard. And in a lot of ways, we're kind of on autopilot when we come into the show. We've got so much to talk about, as we do tonight, because guess what? The show is jam-packed yet again. I know a lot has happened over the last three weeks. We have had jam-packed shows wall-to-wall since the national championship game ended. When you would think if you were just a casual fan, the sport slows down. No, it doesn't. And we warned you about this, told you it was coming. It's an abnormal year, but I think this may become more of the norm when we're talking about everything from coaching searches extending into January. That may be a little bit rare. But when you talk about what's happening with the transfer portal, and of course, you've got the recruiting cycle every year. January is never going to be the same again. Now, you could view that as bad news if you want to take a nap for a little while, or good news if you just want the season to extend and you want to keep talking about college football. Uh, For obvious reasons, we here at Late Kick lean towards the latter, so we're okay with it. We have got a lot to discuss this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Subscribe to the channel. I can't stress this enough. We're, We're at two live shows per week right now on Sunday night and Thursday night, but there may be things happening on Monday morning. In fact, I expect some things to happen between now and the next time we have a show, in which case this will be the place to come for a reaction video. You know, if Tennessee hires a coach on Tuesday at noon, I'm not waiting till Thursday to talk about it. So make sure you're subscribed here and make sure you're following me on Twitter at Late Kick Josh. A lot happens there that we can't fit into the show. A lot happens there on a moment-to-moment basis that obviously we can't do with the format of the show. So tonight we are going to indeed talk about the latest with the Tennessee coaching search. I've also got some details about the inner workings of a coaching search and the Tennessee coaching search, and just some things for you to chew on as you're deciding which news out there to listen to, which folks to believe, and which ones not to believe. Also, the Mood Tracker segment is back. It is rapidly growing in popularity. It's been fun. Uh, It's also very interactive. So I listen to a lot of you guys, and you've been asking me, hey, do one on this program, do one on that program. So we've been doing about two per show, I would say, and we're going to do two tonight. We're going to do Florida. We're going to do Texas. Don't worry. It's only January 24th, as I said, 2021. And so we've got plenty of time to get to all the major programs and the programs that you want to talk about. So so let's dive into this show, shall we? The Tennessee coaching search. What is the very latest here? You know what? I don't think a lot of people know, and that's okay. That's a really, in fact, that's a really good thing. What if I told you a lack of information is a good thing if you're a Tennessee fan? Here's how I wanted to start this, though. In order to make it make sense, you need to understand the anatomy of a modern-day coaching search, which is a different thing altogether than a coaching search was 15 years ago. To understand why the information seems so scarce, you have to understand how the athletic director position has evolved. They just hired a new one in Knoxville. His name is Danny White. He came from UCF, University of Central Florida, and we talked about him a little bit the other night. The risk-reward when it comes to reporting for, let's say, local beat writers, I don't think has ever been more lopsided. It's all risk. It is very little reward. And those guys and girls out there right now, are ooh, they are sweating bullets every time they get a name, every time they get a little piece of information. Should I go with it? Should I keep it to myself? And you may wonder, why is that? Why wouldn't you go with information? Especially if it comes from what you deem as a reputable source. Here's why. So the old school approach, so think about hiring not a head coach, but an athletic director. That's where we need to start. In the old school, what would you do? If you were in a major program, well, you'd probably go hire a former coach, or at the very least, a former noteworthy player, someone who has been associated with the football program, because football, at the end of the day, it drives the bus for all the other uh, lower revenue generating sports. And so you'd go get maybe a former coach, 
He knows football, therefore you know he knows how to handle a football hire, and if you're going to make a new football hire, it's going to be the athletic director and maybe a small circle of folks around him, but it's going to be the AD leading the search. Information, as a result, filters through the same channels in the football complex as normal news would, as normal information would. And so picture yourself being a Tennessee beat writer. Picture yourself working for GoVols247.com. And you cover the team on a day-to-day basis, and you have your established network of sources. And when it comes to depth chart, when it comes to getting information from closed practices, when it comes to roster moves, who's going to transfer, the same sources that you would go to or you would utilize to get those pieces of information, you could freely utilize to get information on a coaching search. Why? Because the coaching search is happening internal to the football program. Well, that was the old school way, and it worked for a long time. Here's the new school approach. Here's why it becomes so treacherous for local beat writers to cover coaching searches. The new school in hiring an athletic director is there's an emphasis on finding a CEO type who's an excellent fundraiser and who has got upper management written all over him. In other words, someone you would trust in a boardroom to run a major company because that's what a football program is. And really, you could argue it always has been, but that's how every major football program is viewed these days. When Danny White just got hired at Tennessee, what is the stat I gave you the other night? It wasn't about the combined records of his football coaches that he's hired, although that's impressive. It was about revenue generation. Danny White, over the last fiscal year, had generated four times more money than had been generated four years prior at Central Florida. So year over year, four years after 2016, 15, 16, that fiscal year, so the 19, 20, that range, They generated 35, just over $35 million, which was, again, four times what they had generated four years prior. That's getting it done. That gets the attention of everyone. And by the way, this happens without fail. Normally, I don't mention it, but it just popped in my head. So the other night, I was talking about that stat, and I was talking about what Danny White did in a fiscal year, okay, which anyone who has gotten themselves past third grade reading level understands is different than the word physical, Well, I thought that it was so widely understood that that was the case. I would joke around with you and say fiscal or, as my friends call it, physical year. Well, there's always one person who probably didn't make it past third grade, but who understands how to log on to the Internet, who is going to play hero in the comment section on YouTube. So someone actually thought I was serious when I said that. And uh, they pulled out that e-sword and they got cut with it. I'll just leave it at that. They got cut with it. So um, breaking news. We here at Late Kick do indeed understand the difference between fiscal and physical. The only time I've been called out in the last month where I had to just cower in shame is, I'm going to be honest with you, I did not know the difference between the word jibe, J-I-B-E, and jive. I've just been saying that doesn't jive with my whole life. And I got called out the other night, and they were right, and I was wrong, and I gave myself 50 self-lashes for punishment. So we move on now. That's been taken care of. But in the new school approach... Consider what hiring an athletic director with that background means. It's happening right now at Tennessee. When you bring in a guy who's more of a fundraising CEO type, Danny White hasn't been a head coach. Danny White wasn't a former All-American player who understands the entire landscape of the game, but Danny White is the proper hire for CEO. Well, what is the first thing he did? He came in and announced that they were hiring a search firm. And so what does a search firm mean? Well, a search firm, just like happened at Auburn a few uh, about a month ago, means that you're taking what is normally inside the hands of people in the football operations department and you're outsourcing it. 
Well, guess what that means for someone covering a coaching search? Guess what that means for you as a fan? You can't rely on your normal sources of information, at least if you're trying to get legitimate information. And so the search firm handles the hiring process and the interview process. That interview process in turn, especially right now, takes place over Zoom, or a lot of people have figured out how to hide their tail numbers on their planes, and they know not to fly to Louisville if they're going to interview Bobby Petrino once upon a time. You fly to some remote clandestine location in the middle of nowhere, and you mutually agree to meet, let's say, in Springfield, Missouri. That's how you do it. Small circle on the university side. There is a very small circle that will ever, at one given point in time, be aware of what's going on in a coaching search. Only place you can get information as a result usually are agents. And agents are notorious for misleading you because an agent does not have their relationship with you at the forefront of their motivation. They have their relationship with their client at the forefront of their motivation. A lot of times you're being intentionally fed false information because they're trying to get their guy raises, they're trying to get him extensions and whatnot. Now I say all that to say this, that's not a bad thing. That's a very good thing because by default, if that's what's happening, if that's how Tennessee is operating their coaching search, well then that means a lot of folks who have been involved in the past aren't involved in the coaching search. So where is the search? Well, I'm focused, to be honest with you, a whole lot more on the timeline than the names themselves. Because again, let's, let's back up. If that's the way the coaching search is being operated, we don't have a legitimate list of names. We have little tidbits here and there. You know, you'll see a tweet, so-and-so is being vetted for the job. So-and-so, it's, it's his job if he wants it. That stuff may end up being reality. It may not. I'm just telling you from my end, I don't view any of it as credible because I know the sourcing could be someone who has an ulterior motive other than just keeping the Tennessee public and college football public informed on where the Vols head coaching search is. So I'm focused on timeline. And that's where you can get more legitimate information. You know, someone close to Danny White's circle or that search firm circle, they will be completely hesitant in ever giving you legitimate information. But here's where they could be somewhat forthcoming. Giving you a loose timetable. Letting a loose timetable leak out. There's no harm in that. You know, if they're planning on making a hire by Wednesday, there's no harm in them leaking out that, hey, we plan on having something in the next uh, 72 hours or so, in the next few days or so. There's no harm in that. That may be legitimate. Now, that I have heard from a number of people, and that I do believe to be the case. The timeline's important because that totally flies in the face of what the initial assumption was for me. Uh, I got to admit that for me and a lot of other people, too. And that was, hey, Kevin Steele's probably going to be the coach here for a while, going to be the interim coach here for a while, going to be really hard to go get someone. Well, some people initially thought that about the AD search, too, and they basically snapped their fingers and, and snagged Danny White out of UCF. I don't even know if he had time to pack his bags before he got to Tennessee. And so now it looks like they're trying to hire the coaching search in the same way. Now, here's the awareness. Tennessee is aware. I mean, they're keenly aware. No one understands the potential pitfalls and snags around their program and the branding and the current reputation more than Tennessee themselves. And so the money they've committed to this search and this entire endeavor of overturning this football program and really athletic department, it speaks to their awareness of their limitations right now. Tennessee Tell you what it reminds me of. One of my favorite movies is Tombstone. And you watch Wyatt Earp, and he's out of the law game, and he's moving to Tombstone, wants to settle down, just wants to operate a nice, good faith business out there, um, depending on your definition of faith. But listen, he's done, man. No more killing. You know, no more chasing folks through the desert. Well, all of a sudden, the status quo changed. And so too did Wyatt Earp's attitude the rest of the movie. 
I don't want to spoil it for you. It's only been out about 30 years. I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it already. Well, that's how Tennessee's kind of operating right now. Yeah, we know this, and yeah, we know that, and we know what kind of rebuild it is, but do you see this sack over here? Not sack. That's the wrong usage of word right now. Do you see this briefcase over here? It's full of money, a lot more than you get paid right now, a lot more than you'll probably make over the next two years. We're giving you a multiple-year guarantee. We're going to load it up with incentives. This is a commitment from us to you. We need a commitment from you to us. Now, this search has the makings of a stunner because of those two reasons. Number one, very secretive, not a lot of people in the loop, and that's good. Number two, they're willing to overpay and they're not bashful about it. And when you have those two elements in place, you have all the makings of this long list of widely reported candidates, and then you wake up one morning and you refresh Twitter at, at 8.28 a.m., and there's breaking news from like four different outlets, so-and-so set to be hired as Tennessee head coach, and you go, what? Number one, I had not heard his name once. Maybe my buddy and I mentioned him in passing at the water cooler the other day, but I never really thought he was a serious candidate, and that's the way this could go down. I don't even have a list of names. We all have the list. We've seen the list out there. But I'll tell you, I think it may come out of nowhere. There's one name that wouldn't quite be out of nowhere. I've seen some some mention of his name on the fringes. Uh, the one I have thrown out with some buddies, and I'll just put it out there now, was James Franklin. James Franklin's a guy I'd go after. I know some of you in Tennessee don't like him because of his track record and where he's been previously. I'd go after James Franklin. James Franklin, number one, I think has learned about the limitations of recruiting at Penn State and what he could do at Tennessee is a lot greater than what he could do at Penn State in terms of recruiting. Number two, you know what would interest me? What would interest me is the energy I would get with him, the ability to get him closer to his family, which I think they live in Florida maybe. And number three, and here's the most important part, when he went to Penn State, things were not well. When he went to Penn State, they were in the midst of trying to rebuild their image, repair their program. And so even if that is the case at Tennessee, you'd have a premier name. He matters coast to coast. He has a proven track record. And he's dealt with those kind of problems internally before. He's weathered that kind of storm. And so I wouldn't have any doubt about his willingness to take on that kind of challenge. I don't know if he's interested. I have no clue about that. I'm not floating his name out as me knowing something. I'm saying if I were part of this search firm, he would meet my requirements. Maybe my requirements differ from that of Tennessee. So that's where we think the Tennessee coaching search is right now. Hopefully we have more information sooner rather than later. I really think by the next time we have a show which is on Thursday night, Tennessee will have a head coach in place. Let's roll on here on this Sunday evening. Mood Tracker is back. It never went anywhere, some could say, and I would agree with you. The Mood Tracker, uh, for a reminder, those of you who are new, is just us taking the temperature of a fan base, essentially, and us taking an overall snapshot. You know, there are going to be some fringes, maybe some overly pessimistic folks and overly optimistic folks who may not fit this description, but this is sort of the middle 80%, if you will. So the Florida mood tracker and the Florida fan base, where are Gator fans at right now? Well, I think I classify them as being in the heart-to-heart -heart conversation territory. That's what they want to have, but it's very important, just like you and your family, if you may not be getting along, you don't have the heart-to-heart -heart in public, okay? It doesn't matter if an argument starts in the middle of Outback State. Steakhouse. You don't argue in the middle of everyone at Outback Steakhouse. You just look at everyone, and if you got kids, you have to say it. If you got adults around, you don't have to say it. It's understood but unspoken. We'll handle this later. We'll handle this when we get home. So when we're out of the public eye, that's where we'll handle it. And I think that's where a lot of Florida fans are right now, because in public, it is swords out. 
defend the Gator logo until the death. We just won the East. We played in the SEC Championship game. Okay, we ran roughshod over most of you guys. Some of you got us, but hey, we were still standing in Atlanta at the end of the day, and we beat Georgia, so don't let me hear a word out of Athens. That's the public statement. That's the public stance. But now let's talk about getting behind closed doors. Let's just be honest. I'm going to assume the role of a Florida fan right now. We need to be honest with one another. But hey, I need Dan Mullen in the room too. If we can get him out, Dan, you got time? Okay, yeah, come on over here. So so Dan's in the room now. And we need to look at you in the eye, Dan Mullen. And we got to tell you a couple of things. Actually, like four or five. Loved the offense this year. We're going to start on a positive note. We need you to listen to all of it, though. Loved what the offense was this year. Loved the year-over-year progression of Kyle Trask. You totally and completely backed up and validated everything we thought you were in terms of an offensive play caller and a developer of the quarterback position. It was great. We overachieved, and we already had pretty high expectations for the offense. Secondly, it's no small deal to us that you beat Georgia. In fact, it's a huge deal to us this year, and we had... I mean, we had the ability to hang over half a hundred on them if we wanted to. We all know that. You know that. We know that. Let's wink at each other. Let's smile and let's chuckle. Um, it's a big deal because now they have to shut up and, and we can be alone over here and we can talk about this. Let's also remember this. At the beginning of the year, a lot of us were talking about the fact that we did not believe we'd ever beat Georgia if we couldn't beat them now. I mean, it was now or never. If not now, then when? We still remember saying that. We remember that. Okay, so since we said it on the front end, we've got to credit you and congratulate you on the back end. Uh, I mean, we're the best team in the state right now uh, by a mile. I mean, we're superior to Florida State by 10 miles. We're significantly superior to Miami. We recently played them. We beat them. So we're good there. Now, Dan, it's time to transition because some of us are going to go and sit in another chair and others of us are going to sit here. Some of us still think recruiting's pretty good. Okay, those folks over there, though, they're looking at us currently ranked in the 10 to 15 range in the 24-7 sports team rankings. And uh, it's good, but it's not good enough. Because we're looking at the teams we have to consistently compete against, and they're always hanging out in the top five. And we have every advantage over them. We're parked in Gainesville, Florida. We can, again, as we always like to say, throw a pebble out of our window and hit enough four or five-star recruits to land inside the top five. A lot of our in-state guys leave, though. We need to keep them home. It's not bad. It's not bad, Dan. So it's, it's, it's not us, but it's not you. It just is. So let's make it better. Now, Dan, it's time to make things a little bit uncomfortable because now we got to give the floor over to the folks in the other camp here and oh, take the microphone. Okay, so they got the microphone now. Dan, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we want to know what your commitment level is. We did not like waking up every morning around Christmas time and hearing word about you potentially talking to NFL teams. It's great that you could get the opportunity, but man, we could have really used a statement from you. We really could have used you just coming out and saying, I'm going to be here. I mean, Dan, I don't know if you've heard of Ryan Days, the head coach at Ohio State. And the moment his name was linked to NFL jobs, he made sure to get in touch with about 37 reporters to anonymously leak that sources out of Columbus say Ryan Day has no interest in NFL jobs. Well, well, Dan, I didn't hear a word from you when your name was linked to all sorts of jobs. So what does that tell me? We're just going to leave it open-ended. What am I supposed to make of that? Number two, I did not enjoy whatsoever watching our locker room fragment so easily down the stretch this year. It was kind of embarrassing, actually. We had the pieces. We had the pieces to win. I think we could have given Alabama not just a serious run in Atlanta. I think we could have beaten them, but it came off the rails late in the year. It's almost like we had enough gas in the tank to make it through the Georgia game, but not really much past that in terms of big games coming up on our schedule. That was really disappointing. Also, man, can we talk about our defense? Like, can we seriously have just a conversation heart-to-heart -heart about Todd Grantham and about the fact that 
our product has somehow been less than the sum of the individual parts. It's supposed to be the other way around, especially when you're at this level and you're getting paid what we're paying, Todd, Coach Grantham, whatever we want to call him. We got to do something over there. Because unless we're just going to hang those kinds of offensive numbers every year, don't think our defensive product is good enough right now. And hey, we hung those kind of offensive numbers this year. And even then our defense wasn't good enough. And therefore our football team wasn't good enough to make it all the way. We shouldn't have lost to A&M this year. We shouldn't have... We shouldn't have had to score over 50 to beat Alabama. We should be one of the best teams in the country, man. We certainly shouldn't have lost to LSU. There were a number of reasons for that. But, Dan, what are we going to do here? Because let's just go back to what I said for a second. LSU? LSU, man. LSU was already terrible. LSU had been sucking water through a garden hose the entire season. LSU got boat raced by Michael Leach. Not Mike, Michael. Use the full name. And then they come in here, they left half of their bad roster at home, and they beat us. And they didn't beat us early in the year. They beat us when we had everything we knew to be in front of us. We could have been a playoff team, Dan. We could have made the playoff. We may have even been able to lose to Alabama and make the playoff, but no more. So, that's out of the way. Now we can go back to being cordial. And I just want to ask you, do we have the staying power? Do we have what it takes to stay at the big boy table? Because here's what the concern is. We've been talking amongst each other here, and the pessimism and the optimism, either way you feel, there is one shared concern, and that is this year will be looked at four years from now as the peak. And we don't want it to be the peak. We want to be here every year. But we're concerned that recruiting is not going to be at an elite level, and we're not going to have another quarterback like Kyle Trask. And you're going to flirt with the NFL every year, and that's going to be sold on the recruiting trail as Dan Mullen's not going to be here through your entire high school tenure. Therefore, why would you go to Florida? And it's going to work enough to where we look back and we say, man, that 2019 season, you know, we thought we had arrived, but as it turns out, we just rented a space. And by the way, we had to check out before the season was over. LSU booted us. That's not good, Dan. We don't want that. We want to stay. And so we just need you to show us, help us help ourselves to be fully invested into this program. And that concludes the Florida Gators mood tracker as of January 24th, the year of our Lord, 2021. I think that's the only time I have assumed the role of a fan base. Didn't plan that, Colin. Just kind of went with it. The Texas Longhorn Football Mood Tracker. Where is the fan base in Austin right now? Well, like I just said, I'm assuming the role of a Texas fan. If you're watching the individual video for the next however many minutes this goes, I am a Texas fan right along with you. I got three words that are going to come out of my mouth that describe what my mood is. My mood is roll, tide, roll. I'm not apologizing for that. There are no qualifiers. I don't need to explain my statement. Forget about 2009. Forget about what would have happened if Colt didn't get hurt. All that's behind us. It does us no good to focus or dwell. Roll, tide, roll. I need as much of that energy that we just brought from Tuscaloosa to come west as possible. Look, Texas is Texas, and we'll all be proud of it until the end of time, and we'll defend the brand to the very death. However, we also need to understand they got something figured out there. We hired Sark from Alabama, and he hired a bunch of people from Alabama. Hopefully, we can import that. But, man, we need to humble ourselves enough to know they've had something figured out. We want to import it. And losing is not fun. In fact, losing sucks. It's awful. And we've done too much of it here. I mean, we haven't been 2-10 in or anything like that, but we've done too much of it. But you know what I've come to realize? This is kind of like a Kyle South Park premonition. I've come to realize 
that losing is kind of a byproduct. I think a lot of you guys get it too around Texas. You pay attention to the program day to day. Obviously, we all do. We're Texas fans, right? But here I think is one key difference. The public, Oregon State fans, Virginia Tech fans, they, they watch us. They care about Texas, but they just see us lose the game on Saturday. You know, and they look and they say, hey, Texas lost today. Well, we look around and we say, no, man, we lost a couple of years ago. We lost on signing day when we watched a bunch of kids leave our state and go play with the opposition. Maybe not at Oregon State or Virginia Tech, but they go to Alabama, they go to Oklahoma, they go to Ohio State. And as a result, a lot of guys who we know good and well, if we have things figured out, should be playing with a long horn on the side of their helmet are playing elsewhere. And we're dropping these games we shouldn't be dropping for a number of reasons, but it really all boils down to we don't have it in recruiting. We have not had it in recruiting. I know everyone puts out the roster comparisons and they talk about how we're still top 10 this, top five that. We're not good enough. We don't have the, we should be number one. That's what we should be. We should be right there with Alabama, right there with Ohio State. We should be better than Ohio State because the only way they're where they are is because they've got our players on their roster. So we should be not top five, not top 10, number one, number two, any given year. If we were that, you know what we could afford to do? We could afford to actually show up and play a B-minus game any given Saturday and still win. Alabama can do it. You know why? Because they're that much better than everyone. We should just be that much more talented than everyone. Basically, what I guess I'm saying is we know we have to fix Texas. It's all encompassing. It's not just we need to fix the offense. We need to have a better defensive back play. We got to fix Texas. We got to fix the culture in a lot of ways from the ground up. There needs to be a proper understanding around here of what Texas athletics and what Texas football is. We got to fix our image to where we matter the way we should matter, to where we strike the proper emotion in someone when they see that Longhorn or when they hear University of Texas from coast to coast. We got to fix our branding, which kind of goes along the same lines. But all of that, if we fix that, we will have fixed recruiting. And not until then. You can't just run the lawnmower over the weed and then say the weed's dead. We got to fix it by the root. And it's going to take some time, even if we hired the right guy. But that's how we fix football. We fix those things and we fix football. Did we hire the guy to run a football program? Did we do that with Steve Sarkeesian? It's fair to doubt. It's fair to do that. Because if we didn't, then then we may be spinning our wheels a little bit. Because Steve Sarkeesian, I watched him in Alabama. Everybody did. That guy's knocked it out of the park. I've never seen offensive football run at such a high efficiency level as I've seen for Nick Saban in Alabama with Sark calling the plays and at the wheel over the last couple of years. But it's great if he comes in here and does that offensively. I need someone to grab the wheel and drive the bus, and I need it to be different than the folks who have been driving the bus. I think that's pretty clear. I think it's pretty understandable what I'm saying. Sark is great at one of those things. He's a total mystery at the other. He's great calling plays. He's great running an offense. I have no doubt he'll do it here. That's not left up to debate in my mind. What is left up to debate is, will it all be for naught? Because if we don't have the entire bus, if we don't have the train going in the same direction, it's really just going to be a bunch of points every now and then, but we largely still underachieve. The hires are exciting. Don't get me wrong. When I'm watching these guys that Sark's bringing in, I love it. Hey, the more Bama flavor here, the better, as far as I'm concerned. But they worked at Alabama because Alabama works. I want to stress that. These guys didn't start at Alabama. They became rock stars at Alabama in a lot of cases. They worked at Bama because the Bama model works. And the Bama model works, finish the sentence with me, because Nick Saban runs it. Who is going to run Texas? And if it takes you more than two seconds to answer that question six months from now, 
when I ask you, hey, who's running Texas football? If it takes you more than two seconds, then we still have a problem on our hands. So that is my wish. My wish is that Sark is the right hire. He's running the ship. He's operating everything. He's got his hands on everything. And as a result, we are in the process of fixing Texas. To be continued. I don't think we can judge that right now. But I do think we can wrap the show right now. That was fun. You know what, Colin? I think we just figured out a new format for the uh, Mood Tracker. So remember, uh, follow me on Twitter, at LateKickJosh. There's going to be, no doubt, a lot happening this week. There is really a lot happening, you know, even as we speak. So just keep your eye on it. Uh, Also, subscribe to the channel, because if anything happens tomorrow, later tonight, Tuesday, this is where you need to come for reaction. We've got our next live show will be Thursday night at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. And uh, looking forward to that and really appreciate you guys. Also, subscribe to the podcast. We do two of those per week extra, and you won't find those here on the YouTube channel. So make sure you're following and subscribing to the podcast. Uh, It's just the late kick with Josh Pate. Also, Wednesday, we have our five-star reveal, the final five stars in the 24-7 Sports Player Rankings. We will reveal them live right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. So make sure you're tuned in for that. And again, follow me on Twitter, and you'll get updates on all that at Late Kick Josh. For Director Colin, for Producer Jordan, on the podcast side of things, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your evening and a great early start to your week. I'm Josh Pate. Thank you so much. God bless.